Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I've titled this message this morning, Things I Have Discovered on My Faith Journey. Things I Have Discovered on My Faith Journey. It's a little bit of a different sort of a, I guess, concept for a message, but I'm really believing, prayerful that it's going to bless you this morning. They're in no particular order. And I've got heaps of them, so we'll just see how far we get through this morning. Who knows? Um, Number one, are you ready? Things I've discovered on my faith journey. Number one is truth is a person, not a doctrine. Truth is a person, not a doctrine. Interesting statement to make, isn't it? Truth is a person, not a doctrine. Let me read from John 14, verse 6. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes this huge statement. He says, I am the truth. If we want to know, the clearest picture that we have of what God looks like is Jesus. Do we believe that? The clearest picture, if, if, you could, if, if you ask yourself the question, what does God look like? The clearest picture, the clearest example that we have would be Jesus. He's the way to the Father. That's what he says. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is our access point to God. Jesus is our access point to the divine. It's who he is. He is the truth. But which leads me to these other side topics under this that I've learned is that, do you know that the truth doesn't need defending? The truth actually, if it's truth, it doesn't need defending. I don't need to stand up here and defend a case for gravity, for example. Can I get an amen there? Because we believe that. We we know that it's true. We know that if I jump off here, I'll land on the ground. I won't just float off into the auditorium. I don't need to defend truth. And if Christ is the truth, it's not my job to defend him. Which leads me to the next conclusion that it's not my job to defend God. Like, as if me, like... A person could defend the creator of everything. If God is God, then, he, then it's not my job to defend him. My job is to represent him. Truth is a person. It's not a doctrine. If he's the truth, it's him. John eight thirty two, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm free, why? Because my gospel is this. Not my gospel, the gospel is this. Jesus, fully man, fully God, came to earth, showed us a better way to live. Ultimately, was crucified on a cross to show us that our sin is not the issue. It's not separating us from God anymore to fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies, to fulfill the law so that we could believe that we're not separated that we could have hope for a future, that not just hope for an eternal future, but hope for one now, that my sin is forgiven, that the things that separated me from God are only in my mind, they're not a reality anymore, but I can have free access to His presence. When I know Jesus, He sets me free. Have you ever met someone that's like, loves doctrine? They like, if you ever come up against them in a Bible trivia competition, you would be in trouble. Do you know the people I'm talking about? They scare me, those people. If you're one of them, I'm scared by you. 
but I've met some people that they'd win a Bible trivia competition, but they would come last place in a Christ lookalike competition. Do you know what I'm talking about? I had a random fact the other week, this is a side note, but at Highway, before my time here, we had the world's best Elvis impersonator. Is this a true story? What a random fact. Highway was home to the world's best, number one Elvis impersonator in the world. There's a random fact for you. True story. But that is what our job is meant to be for Christ. We're supposed to be the best Christ impersonator in the world. That's what each one of us is supposed to do. Our job is to become more like him. If he's the way, the truth, and the life, and the truth is a person, Christ, our job is to represent him. Our job is to impersonate him. Greater than our theological doctrine. Because I've found that in my life, my experiences and the way that I've walked through life has caused me to challenge my doctrine, but hold on to Jesus. I think it's dangerous if we let go of Jesus and question our doctrine. That's a dangerous place to be. But truth is a person, not a doctrine. It's okay to question. In Luke 7, I was reading this this week, and um, John calls his disciples together. I'll read from verse 19. And he says to his disciples, um, go see Jesus and ask him, are you the coming one or should we look for another? Verse 20, so when the men had come to him, that's Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? How confronting is that? John the Baptist, this is the one, like this is him, the one that we celebrate, the one that prepared the way for Christ, the one that baptized Jesus is saying, hey Jesus, are you the one I'm waiting for? Are you the Messiah or should I just keep looking for someone else? This is God in flesh. John questions him. Verse 21, and that very hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions and evil spirits and to many blind he gave, gave sight. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus isn't put off by our questions. Can I encourage us though, when we question, let's hold tightly to who Jesus is. If Jesus is a person, amen, fully God, fully man, and truth is a person, truth is Christ, not my doctrine. Doctrine. My theology needs to fit Christ, not Christ fit my theology. My job is not to have all these things that I believe and all these statements and say, okay, God, how do you fit into this? No, 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 it's God, you're great. How do I orient my life towards you? God, show me what you're like and I'll live that, I'll represent that. Number two, are you ready? Things I've discovered on my faith journey, number two is transformation is the goal. Transformation is the goal. Can you remember what it was like before you were a Christian? I've spoken to some people recently who are, I guess, recent Christians. They've recently um, sort of started coming to church. They've recently um, started following God. And it's funny the things that they notice about Christians. 
it's almost like the things they notice are these external changes or these external behaviors. And sometimes I think in our early Christian walk, it's easy that we start, we think, okay, now I'm a Christian, I I can't say that. I need to get some more than four-letter words. I need to change my vocabulary. I need to do this, I need to do that. Oh, and you cracked me up. <laughs> was that two Sunday nights ago, a fortnight ago? If you weren't here, Owen, a fortnight ago, shared a bit of a testimony of him and Courtney's last couple of years, and it's on the podcast. I really encourage you to listen to that, but it really blessed us. But Owen sort of made this sort of statement. He's like, yeah, no, I changed a few outward things, but it wasn't until in here. It's okay if our transformation on the start starts on the fringes. That's okay. But the goal of our Christianity is transformation from the inside out. Not fixing symptoms, but the core of the issue. I had a COVID test this week. Who's had one of those? It's like they wanted to see what my brain felt like with the swab. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like how far up your nasal cavity can they go? But it was a bit frustrating because I had the man flu, which is a real thing. Can I get an amen? And because I had a COVID test, I had to isolate and couldn't go to the doctors to get the antibiotics that I needed because it was on my chest. But it's like I needed to fix the chest infection, not isolate and wait for a COVID test. It's like, don't deal with my symptoms. I want to deal with the problem. Do you know what I'm talking about? We've got to deal with our heart issues. Romans 12, 2, I love the scripture, I've been quoting it all the time. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think the New Living says, by changing the way you think. It's time to change the way we think, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If transformation is the goal, do I think differently than I previously did? Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I think in the early days, I thought this was like a secret to get what I want. You know what I mean? Like to make God do what I want. It's like, no, no, God, your word says this, like that if I delight in you, you'll give me the desires of your heart. But do you know how I've come to understand this scripture now is that when he becomes my delight, the desires of my heart are his desires. That when I delight myself in him, when I actually love God, when I find joy in him, the things that I desire is what he desires anyway. And it's like I'm transformed from the inside out and what I want is what he's wanted all along. That's why he taught us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, this is our goal. This is a transformation from the inside out. I was having a conversation with a friend and this friend I've known since we went to grade one together. Like a long thing. I know I look like I'm 22. (laughs) Thanks, Greg. But like, I don't know, is that six, five, six? How old are you then? I've known this guy, is that 29 years? Like, it's a long friendship I've had with this one guy and we grew up in a small country town together and we're talking about, um, you know, the whole you've changed thing. We, we sort of say this thing and it's like, it's a bit like an insult. It's a bit like a dig to say, oh, you've changed, Pastor Steve. You know, like, oh, you've changed, Mel. You know, you've changed, Mum. You know, like, and it's a bit, it's a bit of an insult. I don't even know why we say it. But, but thinking about it, it's, it's actually the goal. 
of life that we would change, and yet it's become this like almost like an insult that, oh, you've changed, mate. You're not the same person that you were. And we had this conversation about our desire to be authentic doesn't mean that we don't change. To be true to who we are is really what our society wants us to be at the moment, and I wholeheartedly believe that. But I don't want to be true to who I was 29 years ago. 34 years ago, last year, as God shows me more of who he is, I want to orient my life. I want to, I want to be that Elvis impersonator of Jesus, and I want my life to be more like him. And, and I don't want to be the same person I was. You've changed, yeah, I have, because that's the goal of my Christianity. Growth is not inauthenticity. It's not being untrue to yourself, but it's being true to the new person that I am through Christ. Are you being true to your flesh or to your spirit? I want to be true to my spirit because that's the truest part of who I am. If transformation is, is, uh, is the goal, sometimes it's the slow grow. Have you ever looked at the fruit of the spirits recently? I don't think that they're exciting. Am I allowed to say that? Love is hard work. Like it's easy for me to love Kim, that's obviously no-brainer, that's easy. But joy is a choice, not a feeling. Peace, man, who has a billion reasons not to feel peace? But it's a fruit of the Spirit that despite what I'm feeling, despite the anxious thoughts, I choose peace. Long-suffering, who loves that one? It means to suffer for a long time. Who wants to respond to that? Kindness is hard because our flesh does not want to do it. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control which is hard when Joni just non-stop cooks Rocky Road around the office. <laughs> These things are transformation from the inside out, but it's a slow journey. It's a process. Spiritual maturity is transformation from the inside out. I'd love to read from Ephesians 4. I was reading this this week as well, and it says from verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. That's pretty cool. Hey, don't be kids anymore. Don't be thrown here or there and carried about by every new idea or every new doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Transformation is the goal. Number three, things I've discovered on my faith journey, number three is success is obedience. Success is obedience. Obedience to Christ. Obedience to Christ. Obedience to who we are in Christ. I think our, li- our society and our lives are good at showing us highlight reels. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we need to be doing this or 
Look at what this person's doing. Or, and the comparison that is just, it's just crazy in our world right now. Kind of like even in church, it's the same. I grew up in an era where we were all going to be history makers, where we were all going to be planet shakers, where we all had to do something great for God. And, and I agree with all those things. But I don't know it's about me being great. I'll put it this way. I think the days of famous Christianity are done. This is not a celebrity contest. This is my previous point. This is a transformation from the inside out. And this is saying, hey God, you've been so good to me. God, I see the whole world differently now because of what you've done in, your life, in, in my life. Would you use me to show others a better way to live? That they don't have to live up to the expectations of others. That we could be faithful in the mundane. That your will is a disposition of the heart, not a location. That success is obedience and maybe the most successful thing that I could be is obedient to where you've called me to be now. God, if you haven't showed me where my next step is, I'm gonna be faithful where I'm at right now. God, I may not be where I thought I would be now in life, but God, I'm gonna be faithful to where you've positioned me in this moment. Success is obedience. Holy Spirit, what are you prompting me to do here and now? Holy Spirit, who are you bringing in my life right now? What has the Holy Spirit been asking of you in your life right now? Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. Hey, whatever you do, do it for Him. Success is obedience. Number four. Our faith is not responsible for outcomes. I've learned this one on my faith journey because who's had a faith journey and it hasn't turned out the way we thought? Who's had that? Who's prayed for something and it hasn't come to pass, yet been fully convinced that that was the right thing to do in the moment? Our faith is not responsible for outcomes. I know this is a personal one for me and my, my parents are here, but um, man, if our faith was responsible for outcomes, it would be a crazy situation to be in. I, I know many of you know my story, but my older brother passed away. He's 18 months older than me. He was 15. The day before my 14th birthday, passed away from a cancerous brain tumor. So it was a bit of a crazy teenage, early teenage time for me there in my life. And, but we're a Christian family. We grew up in church our job was to have faith, man. The days and the nights that dad and I used to lie out on the trampoline and just cry out to God and say, God, like, I know you're out there somewhere. I know you can do this. Would you come through, God? Like this, our job is to have faith, but our faith is not <laughs> responsible for the outcomes. My brother passed away. That's the reality of it. Going back now, would I not have faith? No. I would 100% have faith again because I see a track record that our God is a healer, that God has the ability to, and our job is to be faithful in the moment that we're in. Our faith is a journey. It doesn't have a deadline on it. 
I don't have faith for a situation. I have faith in God full stop for a lifetime. I don't have faith from A to B. I have faith from A to infinity. This is a faith journey and I put my faith in him full stop. If I could go back, I wouldn't do things differently. I think this is echoed in scripture. Hebrews 11, we call this sort of passage the hall of faith. It's all these legends that did all these great things for God. Like they did all these awesome things for God. And then it takes this turn in verse 13 where it says this. And beside that, in my Bible, I've got scribbled there Isaac because this reminds me of my brother. It says this, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Wait a minute, what? Our heroes of the faith didn't see all that God had promised them in this life. Maybe our faith is not responsible for the outcomes. Our job is to be people of faith, regardless of what the outcome is. Kim and I experienced this, what was it like, two weeks ago, babe, or something? We were down at the um, Oxford Lake. Actually, I saw a few guys. I saw Tina there yesterday, Mel, Lana, who was worship leading. They were all doing a lap of the lake yesterday. We saw them down there. We were just watching the people walk whilst having a coffee. Anyone do that? Watch other people exercise. It's my kind of exercise. Um, but Kim and I were down there two weeks ago, and we were actually exercising this time. But um, we saw these little kids playing at the playground. We had honey there, pushed her on the swing. And these, this group of three little kids, they just seemed a bit, just something didn't seem right with the story. You know what I mean? They're, it was like mid-morning and they're wearing their PJs and they had a, like their pet with them or something. I don't know if it was a cat in a little cage or something. And, and then we didn't really take much notice and we ended up walking past. And then when we got halfway sort of past the car park, we realized that their parents were there and the, these kids were living in their car. They must have stayed the night there because, you know, the windows were all still fogged up and there was like, um, what do you call it, like dew on the car, you know, so it hadn't been moved. And, you know, and I watch a lot of crime so, so solving shows, so... I deduced all this information. <laughs> like, I think they're homeless. They must have stayed here last night, babe. Look, the car hasn't moved. You know, there's dew on, all around it on the car. And um, Kim's like, oh, we've got to do something. What are, what are we going to do? And then I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do, babe. But whatever you want to do, I'm in, you know. And then, So then we had no cash. Because who carries cash these days? Zero, you know. So Kim goes to the... Um, yeah, there's like a cafe down there to get some coffees for the parents, hot chocolates for the kids. And then, to be honest, that took forever to get, get these <laughs> coffees. But by the time we got back to the car, they'd gone. And it's like, oh, well, that was a waste, you know. The coffee was just an icebreaker so that we could have a conversation. But my faith is not responsible for the outcomes. Do I want my $25 back? Probably But I did the right thing because Holy Spirit slash Kim, <laughs> we were faithful to what we felt prompted to do. Maybe you feel like in the past you've stepped out in faith and it hasn't happened the way that you thought. Can I encourage you? Step out again. Maybe you felt like God asked you to do something and you felt like you fell down or you felt like you, it, you thought it was going to bless heaps of people and no one got blessed? Can I encourage you to step out again? 
to take the pressure off. You're not responsible for the outcomes. That's actually on Him. And God's tough enough. He's not insecure. You're not going to offend Him by saying, hey God, you know what? The outcome is on you. I remember the first time I ever preached, it was, um, I think I did like a fast five thing. We used to do these things in the church I grew up. It was like five minutes on a Sunday night. And I remember being so nervous because public speaking was such a fear to me. And um, I remember talking to my mate Dave and he's like, don't worry, do you know what I do, Caleb? I just say, um, that's kind of God's fault if it sucks. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, well, if you're not doing this for yourself, then you're trying to do this for him, you can't fail. It's on him. If you go up there and it sucks and no one blesses, if no one gets blessed, it's kind of on God, not on you. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> so now I've got to be, hey, God, if this sucks, it's on you. I'm just trying to be obedient in what you've called me to do. My faith isn't based on the outcomes. It's not responsible for the outcomes. That's on God. Another example tonight. One of my mates has gave me a free ticket to the state of origin. I'm full of faith. <laughs> but I'll say it now. I'm not responsible for the outcome. <laughs> my job is to have faith. Up at the back there, Andrew Head wearing his maroon jersey. Give us a high five. Bluetooth. Our job is to have faith. We're not responsible for the outcomes. I felt like I've experienced this for the last couple of years being an avid Broncos fan. Everyone's like, what are you wearing that for? I was like, oh, it was just cheap. For some reason, all this merchandise is cheaper at the moment. I can't figure out what's going on. It's the Broncos. They're awesome. Our job is to have faith. Are we people of faith? Can I encourage you, if you've been disappointed in the past, get up. Step out in faith again. You're not responsible for the outcomes. Number five, something else I've learned on my faith journey is grace is gray. Grace is gray. I grew up loving Westerns. You know the old like Western movies? Anyone love them? And every now and then from the video shop, oh, do you guys know what that is? <laughs> it's like, kind of like a brick that was flat. No, anyway. I had two white things on the back you could... Anyway, we used to hire these Western movies, but a lot of them were black and white. And as a kid, I had this, you know the silly things that you believe as kids? I sort of believed that colour hadn't been invented yet. When these, video, when, when these movies were made, like colour hadn't been invented yet, like the whole world was black and white, like the whole world was grayscale. What a weird concept. Not that the cameras hadn't been invented to record it yet, but I just thought the world was black and white, and then one day someone invented colour, and it just like revolutionized the world. Like, how crazy is that a weird thing to believe as a kid? But I feel like our life is kind of like that. We grow up and I grew up in church, so for me, everything was very black and white. It's not until we get old and we realize that, wait a minute, <laughs> there's all this stuff in between. The world doesn't fit my black and white theology anymore. Grace is Gray. I've noticed that it's easy to have an opinion without an experience. And it's like the more experiences that, I know, that I've had, the less opinions I have. Grace, by definition, is gray. 
The Amplified Bible translates grace as unmerited favor. Is that not gray? Because in a black and white world, I do the right thing and I'm blessed. But in Christianity, I do the wrong thing and I'm blessed. Well, let me, I think we have the consequence to our decisions, so don't rip me for being a heretic right now. And I think that, yeah. But what I'm saying is that because of grace, because of Jesus, I get what I don't deserve in a good way. So how can I be happy when other people, how can I want grace for me and not for others? How can I expect God to be so gracious for me and then judge and condemn everybody else? Jesus was drawn to brokenness. Have you seen that? He was accused of being a friend of sinners. Could you be accused of that? Mark 2, 17. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's more gracious than I first thought. He is more gracious than I first thought. I've got heaps more points, but I'm just gonna leave it there this morning. I'm out of time. Maybe I might make it a two-part series. I've got heaps more ideas. If you've got any, just email me this week, caleb at highway.com.au. I'll be sure to reference you and give you everything I'm paid for this sermon, all the royalties. Lol. Grace is gray. And that's okay. Because I want forgiveness. I do. I expect to be forgiven because I theologically believe in the finished, completed work of Christ. (laughs) Let's not be so caught up in believing it for ourselves and no one else. Can I pray? I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna hand back to Greg. Holy Spirit, we just focus our attention on you in this moment. God, I just pray that something that I spoke about this morning God, that it would encourage us to live your way. Jesus, we're so thankful that you made it possible that we could be under your grace and under your new covenant. God, I just pray of every person in this room, everyone watching online, everybody listening to the podcast. And God, I just pray, Lord, for a fresh touch of your presence, for a fresh touch of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we give you authority this in this moment and also this week to lead and to prompt and to guide us. God, I just pray over the areas of our life, Lord, that you wanna intervene in, God, we give you authority to do that. God, for those people that need encouragement because they've been disappointed from unmet expectations or outcomes that didn't go the way they planned, Holy Spirit, would you just release them of that pressure in Jesus' name? Release them of that pressure. And this morning, I just pray for anyone that's distant from you, God. I just pray that they would feel you in this moment. God, that you would just reveal yourself to them right now in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.